by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You know what? I declare from this moment forward, there's no more church as usual. I want to come into the Passion Church each Sunday and and I just want to expect bigger things than I had last Sunday. I want to see things I've never seen before. I don't want to come and preach in enticing words of men's wisdom, but I want to preach in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. I want to see things changed in this Holy Ghost-filled church, in this Holy Ghost-going-to-be-filled community that we live. Man, I, I you know... Like Brother Nicholas said before we started, there was 15 people here at 10 o'clock this morning in pre-service prayer on an icy day when most churches ain't even open. There's an expectation. There's a fire being kindled in the hearts of God's people in the Passion Church. There's, a pe- there's people that's falling in love with God's plan for us and saying we are going to plant churches all over the world. We are going to be a warm, fun-loving family eager to reach out with God's love to all who have lost their way. We are a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. We know why we do what we do. We know how we're going to do it. God has put the structure in place. Now he needs the, the people who say, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to go. I, want, I think sometimes that this uh, pandemic... And this last week of being snowed in is making people hungrier for the church than they were before. Making church come alive and say, maybe, maybe, just maybe the Bible's true and this is what Jesus is building on the earth. And maybe this is what my life is for. To see his work accomplished and the devil defeated. And to make all things new. Maybe we've invested all too much time in politics. Hoping that a man would be able to save America. Maybe it's time we realize that there's only one hope for America. And that's Christ in you. One heart at a time. And that maybe Jesus had the plan all along. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't get involved in politics. We do. We, we hit this at every front. We take the kingdom of heaven by force. Come on, somebody you got to want this thing. you got to have a desire to, to advance this kingdom. That's what I'm, all of my preaching this last, I don't know, six months has been, let's be kingdom-minded. Let's be kingdom-minded. Let's not get sidetracked by this or by that. Everything in the world is trying to pull the church. And some people have been pulled away. And, and, and if that's you, I'm telling you, come on home. Come on home. It's time. It's time for the church to rise. This is the hour that we were called to live in. This is the time. Today is the day. That line in that song that we kept singing, your spirit in me gives me life and peace. I'm not talking about just, you know, 
making it through the day life. I'm talking about the, the Jesus, I will give you life and life more abundantly life. And that peace that the world don't offer. The world cannot offer what Jesus offers. Peace with God, first of all. And peace with fellow man. Peace in your heart. Peace in believing. Joy. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. In other words, it's not about just going through the motions. Every day you got to eat or drink. We understand that. But some people put all their attention on just going through the motion stuff every day. They're citizens of this world. But I'm telling you, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. He says, if if you put your attention on me, I'll take care of all those needs. You shouldn't even worry about that. But it's of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what it's about. That's the abundant life that God has called you to. Goodness, peace, and joy. Where is it found? In the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm preaching so hard in this new series, God on Earth, about the Holy Spirit. Because the church has neglected the Holy Spirit. They love the Father. They love Jesus. But we're not sure about that Holy Ghost. He sounds spooky. I've seen people filled with the Holy Ghost and they act weird. Those people were weird long before they got filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You know, the Bible says that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. If you see somebody acting out and saying the Holy Spirit made them do it and, and they're acting all crazy and they're drawing attention to themselves instead of, you know, using, uh, using the gifts of the Holy Spirit to magnify Jesus, then that's not right. The spirits are not to draw attention to, the Holy Spirit is not to draw attention to you, but to Christ. And you can control yourself. He's not going to come on you and make you do something. I think a lot of people are scared of the Holy Spirit because they've seen people act crazy. They've seen excess in the church and so forth. And they're like, oh, I don't know about that. He's going to get a hold of me and make me make a fool out of myself. No, he's not. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he is patient, and he is kind, and he's not going to make a fool out of you. You can control yourself. In fact, the Bible says that the church should be done decently in order, but there should be gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. But you can take turns. There should be gifts in the... uh, This should be a supernatural place. Are you listening? The world should say, Whoa, we got to go see what what else is going to happen there. We're not supposed to be carnal. They come in there, oh, I'd rather go to the bowling alley. I get more action at the movie theater. You know what I'm saying? This should be a place that I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of God. Because the power of God is there. Life and goodness and peace and joy and hope. Who knows what this is? A duck call. You know, when I was a kid, my daddy used to take me duck hunting. And he could blow a duck call. I'm talking whack, whack, whack. He, there'd be a duck a mile away. He'd start blowing that thing a circle around and light right in the decoys. I start blowing the duck call and that thing. So rock and swim, flies off, you know, real quick. What the world was that? And for the longest time, I thought, I don't know why I can't blow a duck call good. 
I, I tried. I practiced. I wanted to be the best duck. I wanted to blow a duck call like my daddy. I mean, I really worked hard at it. And then one day, it hit me. I blew daddy's duck call, and it's like I barely breathed in it, and it started it sounded like a duck. And mine, I'm over here <laughs> trying to get it, and it sounded like a horn going off or something. Daddy had a new duck call with fresh reeds in it. He was giving me all his hand-me-down duck calls. He done cut up a credit card or something, and you put it homemade reeds in it, and I was having to blow 100 pounds of pressure to even get a sound out of it. No wonder it wasn't no fun blowing a duck call. No wonder I couldn't draw any ducks into my kingdom. And the reason I'm saying that is because a lot of your lives is like that. We want to be good people. I'm not saying you guys, but I mean the people online. <laughs> but the people online ain't here to get me, so. Uh, no, but I can go down in the jailhouse and say, how many of you want to be a good person? Everybody raises their hand. Everybody wants to be a good person. They want to live exemplary life. They want to do great things. But to some of them, they get up in the morning, they want to be a good person. They blow in on that duck hall. <laughs> And it's making a horrible sound. And they got to they do all they can just to make it sound resemble a duck. But at the end of the day, they feel like a failure. Because that really doesn't quack like a duck. They need a new duck call. They need re new reeds in their duck call. And when you get saved, God gives you a new duck call. He ain't like my daddy. He ain't giving you a hand-me-down. He ain't giving you something that's going to embarrass you. He's giving you a duck call. It's like a lot easier. You just give a little breath, and, and then it just sounds whack, 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 and it's flock. And then, then, then the ducks want to come into your kingdom, you see? Now you've got something that's drawing people to the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? you got to be saved so that you can, you can get new reeds in your duck call. Some of us work so hard. Come here, Angie. Let me embarrass you for a minute. But see, this is a good duck call. This is, this is not a hand-me-down. This, this one is a nice duck call. Angie, call, call some ducks for us. Come on, really give us a duck. <laughs> good job Angie good job I can see the ducks coming now <laughs> she's got a good duck call she's been saved she's got new reeds in her heart how come she still ain't sounding like a duck she ain't spent no time with the duck call she ain't, spend, she ain't been in the presence of this thing enough to learn how to operate the duck call. <laughs> That's from when I was a teenager. But see, I spent time with, with those new reeds. And I learned how to blow. 
And now, I might could persuade a duck or two to come into the kingdom. You see how that works? Don't be a lame duck. That's the title of today's message. Don't be a lame duck Christian. You say you're a duck, but you don't waddle. You say you're a duck, but you sound like a car horn going off. You ain't calling anybody into the kingdom. Nobody's coming to your, your decoys. But, but you say, but I, I've been saved. Well, then you need to spend some time with the new reeds. You need to understand how to operate in the power of the Holy Ghost, not just blowing up like a horn. <laughs> I looked up the term lame duck, and it says an ineffectual or unsuccessful person. You know, like a president that's on his last two years of an eight-year term and they know he's not going to be reelected, and he, he doesn't have the House or the Senate. They call him a lame duck president. He, nobody's going to listen to what he says now. And uh, that's the way too many Christians are. Nobody's listening to what we say because there's no power in our life. We, we've got a new duck call, but we don't know how to blow it. So I'm going to talk about how not to blow it. <laughs> How not to be a lame duck Christian. I'm going to talk about four ways. And, of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit because he's the one that gives you the power. And that's the first thing I'm going to talk about. Uh, power. Now, there's a whole lot of other things that I'm not mentioning today, but we only got a certain amount of time talking about four major things. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Pastor Robert Morris says many Christians spend their entire lives without the, pay, the power available through the Holy Spirit. He says, have you ever felt defeated by a certain sin that you struggle with or by circumstances? The Holy Spirit gives us power to live victoriously. Don't you want that kind of power? Do you want to be a powerless Christian, always failing, always succumb to the next temptation that comes down the line. You want to be that good person. You got saved and you thought you was just automatically going to become that good person. But you really have no relationship with the Holy Spirit. So you have no power in your life. There's three things that he gives us power to do primarily. If you read the rest of that scripture, it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my Witnesses, he'll give you power to call in the ducks, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's why you were created. You know, when I first got saved, I was so excited and wanted to tell people about Jesus so much. We, we had an outreach and uh, several of us were going down to Bill Street, you know, down where they party and everything. And, and we were going to bring some soup and we were going to dole it out to the homeless people down there. And we got there, and they set up the table, had a big ladle, and we was and the homeless people just flocked to that thing. You know, that's that's an effective duck call. <laughs> you know, food works in the church every time. <laughs> you know, if I would if we'd offered lunch after the service today, these seats would be filled. But so, so the 
So the people were coming, and when they would go through the line, I was standing off a little bit, and as they would come through, I'd start a conversation with them. I'd begin to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, and that was going really well. But I remember before I got there, very distinctly praying in the car. I was by myself, and I was driving there, and I said, God, let me have your eyes to see the people. And what I meant by that is let me see them the way you would see them, with the love that you would feel for them. Help me see their needs. You know, when Jesus looks at you, he looks at you like my precious child. I don't know how you think he looks at you, but he looks at you with just love in his eyes. And I said, God, give me your eyes to see the people. Give me your power to make a difference. And I, and I went down there, and I started talking to these guys, and then there was this one fellow, man. He looked like he must have never took a bath in his whole life. I mean, he had dreads, and they were stinky, and, and his clothes were raggedy. And I don't know if I should say this in church, but he had wet himself, just, just wet it on himself. I don't know why he couldn't find a corner somewhere or something, but he just all on himself. And this guy, he had a gash in his arm where somebody on the street, he lived on the streets, and somebody had cut him with a knife and took his stuff recently and laid his arm open, and he didn't go to the doctor, didn't get stitches. It was just infected and just open wound. Nothing to close it, not even a Band-Aid on it. And this fellow was sitting there, and, and I saw him. And when I say I saw him, it was those eyes of Christ in me that saw him. And I was drawn to him, and I went and began to talk to him. He was kind of perplexed that I was talking to him in the first place. But I talked to him, told him about Jesus. And I, if, I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I led him through the sinner's prayer, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And then I did something just, whew, it had to be Jesus. He stood up, and I gave him a hug. I mean, you usually don't hug somebody just wet on themselves, okay? With an open wound. It smelled like he'd been, I don't know, I should have come up with an analogy for that one. <laughs> he smelled bad. But I, it was the love of God in me that seeing him through God's eyes, I guess God was saying, you know, this man hadn't had anybody hug him all year. It might have been several years since he had even experienced human touch. I mean, nobody, this guy's not first on your list to go giving a hug. And I just gave him a big bear hug. And when I let go, he stepped back like this. He said, you touched me, man, you touched me. And I thought he was maybe mental or something. He was having an episode or something. I didn't know what he was talking about. And I said, all right, man, I'm going to go minister to some other people. And so I started walking down the street. And this guy started following me down the middle of Bill Street. And he's saying, y'all need to talk to this guy. He just touched me. He touched me, man. There's power. There's power. And I thought he was mocking me. And I said, here, I done try, you know, reached out to this guy, and he's mocking me. He's making a joke of the things of God. But he kept on, and I realized he's not mocking. I didn't feel the power, but this man felt power in that hug. That it was just, he was, he was going to people, y'all need to talk. And they were all like, get off me, guy, you know. And, and they, but he was sending people, and they were saying, what's he talking about? And before that night was over, I remember having a huddle of homeless folks around me. And I was like in a 
back alley somewhere in the dark at Bill Street with a bunch of drunk homeless people that had just cut this other guy. <laughs> and I led about eight to nine of them through the sinner's prayer all at once. That's power to witness. It's power. There's power in the love of God to see people the way God sees people. Do you see people in your everyday life? When you go to Walmart and get your groceries, are they just somebody in your way waiting on them to get to the bread? Come on, people, waiting in line. All these people. But all those people would come alive to you if you saw them through Jesus' eyes by the power of the love in your heart through the Holy Ghost. Secondly, he gives us power and authority over the enemy. And that's what we need to overcome sin in our life. The devil's there to trip us up. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And some of us are just getting devoured. But the Holy Spirit gives you power and he lets you know about the authority that you have in Christ. There's a funny story in Acts chapter 19, I believe it is, about these seven boys. And they got a dad named Sceva. I don't know who Sceva was. But his seven boys decided they was going to open a business. They had seen this Apostle Paul guy laying hands on folks and casting devils out and stuff. They said, we want to do that. So they, they said, let's get us a storefront and put us up a banner. We'll, we'll, we cast out devils, you know. We want to do what Paul's doing. They was going to make a business out of it. You know, second, second time is half off, you know. You, we'll cast one devil out for free, you know. I don't know what they were thinking. But they wanted to go into the business of what the Apostle Paul was doing. But see, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. And they didn't have his love. But they, got, they found them some guy, and they were going to try it out. All seven of them cornered this one fellow that was demon-possessed. And they said, we adjure thee. In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. They couldn't even, they didn't even know the Jesus that Paul preached. We adjure thee in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out of him. And that guy, he stepped back, he said, Now Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize. But who are you? He commenced whooping on them seven boys, and not a one of them left there with their clothes still on. He ripped their clothes off, beat them bloody, I'm telling you. They said, we don't want no more of that business. He tried to, they tried to do the things of God without the Holy Spirit of God, without the relationship. They were blowing on the wrong duck call, and they got whooped, didn't they? Third kind of power the Holy Spirit gives you is power over the flesh. Boy, this flesh is ever pulling us downwards, isn't it? You got a decision every day when you wake up. Am I going to follow the Spirit of God or am I going to follow the flesh? One brings life and peace and the other brings death. I mean, it seems like an easy decision. But once again, we can have all the good intentions in the world and still come up lame like a lame duck at the end of the day, right? 
We can't even make good decisions without the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How do you overcome the flesh? Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And we sitting up in there in the Holy Ghost field church saying, I don't want none of that Holy Ghost. You're just saying, I just want to be controlled by the flesh. I just want to have a lot of death in my life. I just want to be that person that I hate. Rejecting the Holy Spirit. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature wants. You know, there's a scripture that I often use that God will give me the desires of my heart. And I'm like, yeah, he'll give me whatever my heart wants. Whatever I can think of that I need, God will give me the desires of my heart. I think the scripture is saying that God will change the desires of your heart to make them like his so that he can give you the desires of your heart. He will give you new desires in your heart. You want to overcome your sinful nature. There's power. In the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us power. The second thing we're going to talk about is the Holy Spirit helps us produce fruit. You know, Galatians 5.22 says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Where were all of them at Walmart this morning, you know? Gentleness and self-control. Where were all these when we were quarantined in our house with our spouse this week, you know what I'm saying? Why do they say domestic violence has gone through the roof since the COVID virus? Because people sit around, they get in the flesh. They're not tapping into the Holy Ghost. Angie looked at me after about two days in the house this week, and she says, who are you? <laughs> Show that picture of me. This, this is this week. This is what happens after about two days stuck at home. <laughs> you wear one of them skull hats for a couple of days and don't take a shower and don't shave. <laughs> and you ought to see what we look on the inside how we look <laughs> i mean me and angie get along good but some of y'all are like jerry clower somebody just shoot up up in here amongst us one of us got to have some relief <laughs> i mean it's t- it's tough <laughs> when you ain't filled with the holy ghost You know how hard it is on your spouse to live with you as it is? Look, Angie, we don't need no amen corner right now. She said amen. I'm sorry. Everybody wants peace and love and joy, and and some of us even want patience, you know. Some of us would, would like to be long-suffering and kind to people. Some of us, we want those things. It's just a lot harder when you're faced with 
with peop other people, right? It's easy to think it. It's hard to do it, but the Holy Spirit will give you power to produce fruit. You know, fruit. a tree grows fruit not just for, for the tree itself, but for others to partake of. Maybe your spouse would love you a lot more if you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Just a thought. Okay, so we got power. We got fruit. And third, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's gifts all throughout the Bible. The gift of administration, the gift of faithfulness, all, all these powers. But there's nine major gifts talking about uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 4. These are supernatural gifts, like just the Holy Spirit just allows you to really call in them ducks with these. The word of wisdom is the first one. But before we get there, there are, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same, capital S Spirit, same Holy Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. See, the work ain't getting done because you, you're, your lazy self ain't doing it. Or you're trying to do it in your own strength. That's why the work ain't getting done. It's the Holy Spirit in us that does the work. And a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. See, you've got to be other person-minded. And the first one is words of wisdom. Man, you're sitting there in a situation, and all of a sudden you have the answer. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit whispers into your soul. A word of wisdom. It could be a little thing about where you left your pliers. But it could be a big thing that changed somebody's life forever. And God used you. Because you're tuned in to the Holy Spirit. You've been blowing on that reed long enough. You can recognize that still small voice. And he gives you the answer that that person that sets that person free. A word of wisdom. He may give you a word of knowledge. That's like, there's no way you could have known that dude. What do you, you've been, you've been, uh, what are you, stalking me on Facebook? <laughs> How'd you know about me? But the Holy Ghost gave you a special word of knowledge about that person. And now you, now he wants to hear what you have to say because he realizes that's not natural. That's God speaking through this man or this woman. It, the gift, of, we're not going to go into all of these. I'm just going to briefly touch on them. But faith, it's not talking about, the, you know, a measure of faith, a little faith. You're, you're like, it says we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and we're, we're praying by faith that they get healed. You know, we're working our faith up for for healing and all this stuff. But this kind of faith is the gift of faith. This is for a supernatural work. This is like you can't doubt about this. I just know God has, he has assured me. I, it's, it's over with. It's done. Boom. And when he needs something done, he needs to be able to get faith to somebody. Will it be you? All right. So you got the gift of faith. You got the gifts of healing. Some people uh, have a gift of healing. Their, their hands, I mean, that you, you, they're the person you want to go to and ask for a prayer or them to lay hands on when you're sick. Some people have the gift of the working of miracles. And you may, you may have this gift at times because all of these as the, are as the Holy Spirit wills in the time frame in which he gives it. 
Um, some people may say, well, I don't believe in all that healing stuff. Like Bill said, I don't believe in all that prosperity message and all that. If healing is real, why don't you go down to the hospital and get them all healed? Then I'll believe. Like I said, if that were possible, I would. But it is as the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts. We don't control the gifts. They're gifts given to us for a certain working, for a certain moment, for a certain project that God wants accomplished. You understand? All right. Uh, and some of us, like I said, operate in some of these gifts quite regularly. That's a gift that you have often. You know, maybe you develop that gift. Maybe that's why you can blow the duck call. You can do that feeding call a little bit better than everybody else or something. It's a, it's a gift. Then the next is the gift of prophecy. In the Old Testament, prophets would tell the future, you know, and, and guide the people and tell them what God said. And we call that prophecy. Uh, that's true. But prophecy is just a telling forth. And it could be seen as preaching. You know, what I'm doing now is telling forth the message about the Holy Spirit. I'm telling forth what the Word of God says. So prophecy could be that. I was thinking about that last week, and, and uh, God spoke to me about my son. My son Joshua, he's living in, in Oxford, and he's looking for a new job. And he's doing the standard things that people do when they need a new job. He's putting out applications. He's going around doing the things that we standardly would do to, to get a new job. But I was praying and I was thinking about how each week, I don't pray, or I don't come up with these sermons on my own, you understand? I don't just go in the Bible and put my f finger down and say, I'm going to preach about that, or I don't preach somebody else's sermon. Each week I get alone with God. And I quieten my soul. I say, God, what would you have the people learn this week? Where are we going next? What's the direction? Sometimes within five minutes, it'll be just a download. And I'll be typing it all in on my little phone notes app, you know. Sometimes it may take a little longer. But, but in that relationship with the Holy Spirit during the week, I accumulate all the things that I'm going to preach for that Sunday. And, and, I, and I feel confident that this is coming from the Lord and not from me. I, that would be the last thing I would want to inflict upon you is me. So I, I, I hear from God. And I thought to myself, God gave me this message. Call Joshua and tell him about that. Because that's the way the young man should live his life. Don't just... Put out applications because everybody else does. Don't just take the job, the first one that hires you. Get with me, God would say. Get quiet before me. If it's just 10 minutes, you, God could change your world in, in 20 seconds. But you've got to quieten yourself to all the distractions. Cut the radio off. I would say pray in the Spirit, but that's what I'm trying to get you to see. That that's, it, it edifies us, it builds us up, and it, it, it strengthens our connection with the Holy Spirit so that we can hear and we can receive this word of wisdom for our own situation. I don't know why I'm telling you all that about prophecy, but that's where I, get, get, I try to get our messages each Sunday, that, that I can prophesy what God would have you hear. And then there's the discerning of spirits. That's just being able to tell if there's an evil spirit at work or something sinister going on or, or maybe this is God. Yeah, this is God. You, you just have a knowing in, in your spirit. And then the gifts of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Uh, 
That's not to be confused with, with your private prayer language, praying in the Spirit. That's something different. That's personal. But the gift of tongues is something he gives you, and you get an unction to speak in an unknown language, and then there, either you or somebody else is there to interpret what was said. And, and so that's, that's a, a supernatural gift. We often see it in operation in churches that are filled with the Holy Spirit and in prayer services and such. And, it, and man, it's powerful. I mean, you're really, you're hearing from God. You got one person says something in an unknown language and none of us understand in the natural, but somebody's getting the interpretation. Uh, and it could be where you're speaking in a language you've never spoken in before, like on the day of Pentecost when they all went out and they spoke in the languages of the people that were in the city that day and they had never spoken those languages. They didn't even know what they were saying, but the people knew and they preached a message in an unknown language, in an unknown tongue. So, uh, those are the, the nine major gifts of the Spirit. There's, like I said, the Holy Spirit is just full of gifts. Try them. So you've got power, you've got fruit, you've got the gifts of the Spirit. And then, do you know there's something that might, be, that might top all three of those? The Holy Spirit gives us love. And that's the most powerful thing on the earth. What is it, Romans 5, 5? It says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. How did we know God's love? Well, he convicted us of sin. And he showed us that God loved us. And we, we ran to Jesus to be saved. He was the one that, that, that blew the duck call to get us saved. And he put that love in our hearts. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. When did he first love us? When the Holy Spirit put his love in our heart and we felt it. Oh, I am loved. I am important. God does care about me. He is my creator. He does have a plan for my life. And he put that there. And he's the one, if I tell the truth, he's the one made me hug that guy on Bill Street. I felt a love for that man. I felt compassion. I felt empathy for other people. Another person. Can you imagine that? In this world in which we live, how much would that set us apart as a church if we really cared about someone else? It's just not found in, in the world in which we live today. 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one. that's where those gifts are listed. And 31 is the last verse of that whole chapter. It says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts Right? We were talking about the gifts. But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And saying it's even better than the gifts. And then we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we know that is the love chapter. So the Holy Spirit gives us the love. Robert Morris said, imagine the impact the church would have if we all walked in love. With those four gifts, those kind of gifts the Holy Spirit gives us, we'll never be a lame duck Christian. All right, we're going to shift gears just for a moment, and then we'll close. Uh, two weeks ago, I established, you know, three weeks ago, I established that God is on earth, and he's in the, the person of the Holy Spirit, and uh, that he, he wants to be in us. Uh, that was his plan all along for us to be filled with his spirit. And it's, it's ludicrous that we would receive Christ but not 
reject his spirit in us, the whole reason for him wanting to be with us and be in us. And then we talked about that I believe the, the reason many God-fearing people resist the Holy Spirit and say, I, I love Jesus, I love the Father, but I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff is because we've been taught that he is just uh, a force. He's the power of God. He, he's like a mystical force or something. And we established that that is not true. He is a person. The Bible calls him a he. When he comes, he is a person. And we established his per. And today we're going to establish his personality. Because, you know, there's a lot of persons <laughs> that I don't, just because they're a person don't mean I want a relationship with them. Because their personality might be, oh, I don't know about this. I'll need the love of God to befriend this person. I'll, lo I'll love them from a distance. Isn't that what we do? But let's talk about the personality of this person of the Holy Spirit. Because I think if you know his personality, there's be no way you could reject him in your life. There'd be no reason to be afraid of him. There'd be no reason for you to reject the Holy Ghost. First thing about his personality is I want to bring out is that he is holy. And you know how I know that? Because they call him the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thus the name Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody help me here. <laughs> Besides being God Almighty. Is there somebody quack out there? <laughs> besides being God Almighty, the very resurrection power that raised us from the dead like he did Christ, he is the spirit of adoption. He's the one who, who brought us into the family of God. That's nice, isn't it? It's nice to be part of God's family. Are you excited to be a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God? Come on. He's the spirit that brought you into the family. And he never leaves us or forsakes us, Jesus says. And not just because Jesus says, I have lived it out. <laughs> because sometimes we tend to go in places where we shouldn't go, do things we shouldn't do. And the Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But even when he's grieved, he doesn't leave. Hey, I didn't know that rhymed. We grieve, but he doesn't leave. He'll sit there and bear it because he loves you that much. And I don't know why he loves us so much. It's no explanation, but he is God and God is love. It's just who he is. And he loves us too much to leave us in the sin that we're in. That rhymes too. He convicts us of sin. Why? Because he, he's this legalistic person? No, but because he knows that the wages of sin is death and he loves you and he don't want you to die. He don't want you to not live the life that God called you to. He's inspirational. Always pointing us to Jesus. Always pointing us to be like Jesus. Remember what Jesus says. Remember what Jesus did. He's molding us into the image of Jesus. And he helps us understand the word of God. Because this is a spiritual book. I tried to read it before I was saved. And I was like, 
I don't see what they see in this book. I was seeing ink on a page. I didn't know that this book was spiritually discerned. To know the mind of God, you have to have the Spirit of God. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, this Bible ain't helping you much. You're on the outside looking in. But he helps us interpret the Scriptures. In fact, not only that, he was the inspiration of the holy men of old who wrote the Scriptures because they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. These are his words. So if you really... This is a gift, my friend. Oh, my goodness. More precious than diamonds and rubies is the wisdom of God, the plan of God for your life written down right here. And the Holy Spirit is the one who interprets it for you, makes it alive and jump off the page right into your heart and plant into good soil, hopefully. Wow. He's a keeper of all things that pertain to life and godliness. He helps, he helps Jesus build his church. He empowers us to, to call them ducks in, to do the great commission. He provides us the supernatural gifts and the wisdom that we talked about to do it. He helps us pray when we're clueless. When we don't know how to pray as we ought, it says in Romans 8, 28, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, groanings which cannot be uttered in other words he gives us a, a language that we don't know what we're saying but we're praying out mysteries we're praying we don't know where that ambulance is going but i can pray in the holy ghost and know that god knows where it's going and i can know i'm praying out the perfect will of god when i pray in the spirit and that's why paul says i pray in tongues more than you all i pray in the spirit and i pray in the understanding also I sing in the spirit and I sing in the understanding also because your flesh can only do so much, but you become superhuman by the power of the Holy Ghost in you. I'm preaching real good to a quiet audience. And like I said earlier, he never forces himself on us. He waits for you to ask. He's a gentleman. That's why some of us are resistant. He is our spirit of revelation. He shows us things to come. Wouldn't you like to know what your life is going to, uh, what's going to happen in your life next week, next month, next year? Important things that's coming down the pike in our country, things to prepare for, things to know. He leads us through this minefield called life. He is that still small voice whispering, take it a little bit to the left where you step in that hole, a little bit to the right. Or you fall off that cliff, he's providing a way of escape in the midst of our temptations. Some of us hate ourselves because we keep doing the same thing. We feel powerless. There's an addiction in my life, and I don't even want nobody to know about it. There's this challenge that I'm facing, and I keep failing, and I, and I keep running from God because I know he can't put up with me still. But the Holy Spirit saying, never run from us. Never run from me. Run to me. I'm on your side. Every person has their challenges in this life. Every person has their, their weak spots that the devil presses on. Every, you're not alone. I have challenges in my life too. And I fail often. But I get back up. And, I, and if, I, if I step into the Holy Spirit, 
He'll provide me a way of escape. I do not have to fall. I do not have to sin anymore in my life. The power of the Holy Spirit is there to resist temptation. He comforts us when we do fall. The devil says, ah, you fell for that. I tripped you up and he kicks you while you're down. But the Holy Spirit says, get back up. Get back into the race. Don't run from me. Let's run together. He comforts us. He helps us live free from all those hindrances to our calling in life. The sin that so easily trips us up and the weights that hinder us. And the, the dumb thoughts and the tangle of weave messed up thoughts that we have woven around our mind that that keep us from being free. He will set the captives free. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's called the Spirit of promise. And we talked about last week that He is the seal of our redemption. He is the down payment of our everlasting life because we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and we see Him operating in our life, we know for sure that we're saved. We know that we have eternal life. And that is a a helmet of salvation that covers my mind. I don't have to wonder. I can have joy for the future right now. I can celebrate my home in heaven just as if it's happening right now because it is a reality because of the Holy Spirit in me. He is the seal of my promise of life to come. He is hope personified. He is the person of hope. Romans 15, 13, we'll close. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you abound in hope? How do you have joy and peace? How do you believe? By the power of the Holy Spirit. He's got a great personality. Let me introduce you to my best friend. He is the Spirit of Jesus. Some of you are saying, I love Jesus like that. Well, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit. I don't know how that works. There was a young man He came to America as an immigrant. He tried, you know, he came past the Statue of Liberty and all that, coming to the land of hope and freedom. He got here and tried to make a living in the big town of New York City. And it was just hard. It was a tough time to make a living. He was barely eating, barely keeping a roof over his head. And somebody kept saying, man, out west, on the west coast, there's gold. On the West Coast, there's open land. People can, you know, you can have free land. You can start a start a new out on the West Coast. So he began to save everything he had. And he saved and he saved and he saved. And he, and he got just enough to buy a one-way train ticket out West. He said, I'll figure the rest out when I get there. But I, I am heading towards that hope of a new life. And he got on that train. And that train was clicking down the tracks day after day. I mean, it was several weeks to get all the way across the United States back in those days. And every day he would look in the window of that dining cart and he would see them in there eating. He would smell that good food. And all he had was his little box of personal belongings. And he had taken a towel and put some stale bread and some old moldy cheese in there. That's all he had to eat. He was making it last the whole trip. 
little bite a day or so. And he would smell that food and say, man, one day, one day I'm going to have enough money. When I ride this train again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat good. I'm going to eat like all those rich folks in there. He took his stuff away. Then on the last day of the trip, one of the conductors came up to him and said, Sir, have we offended you in any way? He goes, No, sir, why? He said, Well, I just noticed this whole trip that, that you never dined with us, that you never came into to eat a meal with us, and I thought maybe we have done something to offend you, sir. He says, No, no, sir, it's not like that at all. It's just that I spent everything I had to get this train ticket. And I just didn't have the money to eat like you guys are eating. He said, but sir, didn't you know the price of your ticket included the meals every day? Didn't you know that was part of the train ticket? You could have ate with us every day. You ate your fill. And that's how we live our lives when we reject the Holy Ghost. We're riding the train. Oh, yeah, maybe we're heading towards hope. Maybe we're getting to the destination. But we're living like beggars. We're living so far beyond, below what God would have for his children. We're starving to death. And God is saying, come to my table and eat. Come to my table and be filled. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.